Good afternoon, and welcome to Aging Matters on Arlington Independent Media's community radio station, WERA Arlington, 96.7 FM. I'm Cheryl Beversdorf, your host. Long-term care insurance helps cover costs of care provided when an older adult has a chronic medical condition, disability, or disorder. For those who have long-term care insurance, filing a policy claim requires completion of numerous documents and following a specific process before benefits can be received. My guest today is Wendy Reinhardt, co-owner and co-founder of Family Solutions for Care. She's going to talk about factors to consider when deciding whether to purchase long-term care insurance and what the policy should cover. She'll also explain what to know and do when filing a long-term care insurance claim and, when necessary, where to get assistance. So welcome, Wendy, and thanks for joining me today. It's great to be here. Well, and I'm glad that we're going to learn all we need to know about long-term care insurance. So let's get started right away and help us understand what is long-term care insurance and what does a long-term care insurance policy usually cover? Great question, Cheryl. Long-term care insurance is something most people are going to need in their lifetime. Long-term care happens 70% of the time to us as we age. So we used to describe it as once you need help, either because you're not working great from the neck up or the neck down, that's when long-term care comes into play. Long-term care insurance is is used to pay for care at home, care in an assisted living facility, care in adult daycare, or care in a nursing home. Most people buy long-term care insurance when they're in their 40s and 50s and early 60s because that's when it's the most uh, cost-effective for them. Most people buy long-term care insurance that will last somewhere between three and five years. You can get more coverage than that. But that's generally, most people don't need more than three to five years worth of care. So a long-term care policy that covers up to five years is plenty for most families' uh, estates. You were mentioning in terms of when they buy it, is is that a good age for adults even to begin planning for long-term care needs? I mean, should there be a gap, say, between when they're beginning to think about the long-term care versus when they're, they actually buy that policy that you mentioned? I recommend people start looking at long-term care insurance uh, or purchasing it in their actually late 40s. The challenge of buying long-term care insurance is you have to buy it when you're healthy. And oftentimes, by the time we hit our mid-50s, we've already had some sort of diagnosis that would preclude us from purchasing long-term care insurance. So planning it Talking to a financial advisor or talking to a specialist in long-term care insurance, I think is extremely important by the time you hit 50. I'm hearing you say now in terms of a financial planner, payment, I I guess, is an important factor, especially if uh, long-term care is required. Is that the only factor that older adults should think about when deciding whether to to buy long-term care insurance as, say, relying on self-pay? Is it just the, the money aspect or are there other things that they should be thinking about? Most people buy long-term care insurance because they want choices. They don't want to spend all of their money uh, on paying for long-term care. So they buy long-term care insurance so it's a protects their estate, but really the number one reason they buy it is so that they have choice of care, they have peace of mind, and they don't want to be a burden to their family. In the past, many uh, Americans took care of their own family members, but after one or two generations of taking care of a family member for three to five years, families are waking up and realizing I better plan for this because I'm not sure my children are going to be in the position to be able to take care of me as I did my parents. And are there tax advantages to buying long-term care insurance? I always advise people to talk to their accountant about tax deductions. There are tax deductions, but they're not huge. In uh, 2023, someone between 51 and 60 can deduct $1,790 a year from their federal taxes on uh, 
for long-term care insurance premiums. And some states have tax deductions as well. But again, talk to your accountant. I don't want to be on air saying that I'm giving financial advice about that. Uh, some people do buy long-term care insurance uh, if they own a business, that business can pay for it. Sometimes people can pay for long-term care insurance with an HSA. But again, to protect myself, talk to your financial advisor or accountant about what the best tax advantages are for you. So talk a little bit more about the dangers of postponing buying long-term care insurance. I heard you talk about uh, thinking about it already in your 40s, but people forget about it and then suddenly there's a need. So explain why it's important not to postpone. There are two reasons that people postpone buying long-term care insurance. One is procrastination. They're just not really ready to think about it. And the other one is denial. Nothing's ever going to happen to me. So if you wait until you actually have something, a health crisis happen or a diagnosis of, for instance, insulin-dependent diabetes, you're going to find it difficult to purchase long-term care insurance as a freestanding product. So the dangers of you're, you're risking your estate, you're risking your assets, and you're risking being a burden to your family uh, if you don't have a plan in place. And is a physical examination required to purchase long-term care insurance? Absolutely. There, there used to be 200 companies that offered long-term care insurance, uh, and oftentimes they would offer them through employer groups. And the employer group policies tended to be issued without a health examination. So today, though, those group policies are gone. They're just not available. So everyone is looking at buying an independent policy. So it's not necessarily a health. Um, you don't have to go to a doctor and be screened, but the underwriters will, in fact, pull your medical records to make sure that there's nothing they see in there that would eliminate you from being eligible to buy long term care insurance. So you must be healthy. We get phone calls all the time still when someone has a diagnosis of dementia, for instance, and they're wondering if they can buy long-term care insurance. And the short answer to that is just simply no. You cannot buy long-term care insurance once you have developed a health, a chronic health condition. And it's, it's like buying any kind. You can't buy car insurance once you've had a wreck or in the middle of the wreck. <laughs> so it's just a practical, you must be healthy. Taking that a little bit further, uh, Wendy, are, are there, you mentioned dementia. Are there any other kinds of pre-existing conditions that um, may affect even getting it? Or, or might there be a situation where, say, they have a pre-existing condition, but maybe they have to pay a higher premium? How does that work? It has gotten much dif more difficult to get those po claims or, excuse me, policies approved. So comorbid factors would be diabetes with uh, insulin dependent and also uh, some kind of a heart condition, uh, high blood pressure that's not controlled, Parkinson's disease. Uh, if you've been in a hospital, in a nursing home in the last six months, you're probably not going to be eligible to buy a long-term care policy. If you are able to get long-term care insurance, if you are eligible to buy long-term care insurance, once it's in place, the policies will pay for essentially any health condition that happens afterwards. But in order to qualify to purchase the long-term care insurance, you have to be healthy. But policies, once policies are in place, insurance carriers pay claims uh, once somebody is qualified. Okay. Well, that, that's very helpful. I was just trying to get a sense of that. So uh, somebody has got the, the policy now. They qualified. Explain what are the primary uh, long-term care insurance benefits, and, and is there a, a maximum benefit period? Give us kind of the nuts and bolts of what we're looking at here in terms of this long-term care policy. The way that long-term care policies work, it, once you are trying to activate it, you need to be requiring assistance with, generally, two out of six activities of daily living. Those are usually bathing, dressing, toileting, transferring, continence, and eating. 
So you have to be asking for and receiving assistance in order for the policy to be paying out. Every single month, you have to meet the baseline criteria that you are receiving assistance. But the policy can actually pay for a much broader uh, menu of services For instance, it can pay for room and board in an assisted living facility. Some policies will pay for ancillary benefits, such as uh, those alerts that people wear around their neck or around their wrist. Um, They can pay for wheelchair ramps or uh, bathroom modifications. They can pay for uh, somebody to be with your loved one uh, just as an aid as long as they are meeting the baseline criteria that they need help with their activities of daily living every single month. The most policies today are anywhere from one year to 10 years in duration of how much they will cover. In the past, there were policies that were unlimited, so someone could have on 20 years worth of benefits, but those have been taken off the market. So 10 years is the maximum that we've seen in recent years. And that would apply to all of the benefits that you just described. Is that, yes. is that correct? And let me expand on that a little bit further. In general, so I'll back up. There are 400,000 variations of long-term care policies that have been issued since the beginning of time. So there's no standard or uniform coding. So that's why I keep saying in general, because I don't want people to take this as the absolute for their policy. But in general, when people buy a long-term care policy, they are buying a bucket of money to pay for care. And so that bucket may have been written as if it would pay for 10 years, but 10 years is actually misleading. If someone has a million dollars worth of benefits and within 10 years they have not spent all their million dollars, then usually their policy would extend, their lifetime would extend to whatever's still in that benefit pool. So people are not usually capped at years, they're capped at what is in their benefit pool. Um, Usually there is a daily or a monthly cap of what they can spend, and you can't go over that, but if you go under it, the policy benefit pool is going to last longer. And usually people buy uh, enough coverage to to generally cover the kind of assets they have to protect, or they buy a five-year policy because there is an estate recovery act that allows people, if they've bought five years worth of benefit coverage, that will protect an entire estate. And I'll explain that a little bit more. So, If someone has, say, half a million dollars in savings and investments, including their house, then they might buy $500,000 worth of long-term care insurance. And in some states, there is a dollar-for-dollar asset protection. So in some states, $500,000 worth of long-term care insurance would help a family not have to spend their own money down to go on Medicaid. Um, There is also a five-year look-back period. So the the federal government and the states tried to encourage people to buy long-term care insurance by offering policies that were tax qualified and would qualify for a state uh, Medicaid or state recovery. So if you bought five years worth of insurance coverage, and then had a long-term care event, you would have to work with an estate planning attorney to protect your estate, but essentially you can protect a large estate with at least five years worth of benefits. And I'm, I'm hearing in terms of determining how much coverage, you're focusing more on the estate um, and what they have. Is, are there any other factors that people should think about in terms of deciding how much coverage to buy? Yes. So some, sometimes people don't want to cover the entire cost of long-term care within a long-term care policy. They, have, they know that they have enough interest coming in off of their assets that they could use their own money to pay for some care. They just don't want to have to dip into principal. So usually when 
when I used to sit down with families, I would, we would discuss what their assets are uh, and what kind of interest on their savings they are getting. And then we would use the interest that they get on savings as money that they could consider to use to pay for their own care. Because again, their biggest goal was not to have to dig into their principal. So we would use the interest on savings, also use the current cost of care in their area. I usually use the assisted living level uh, and then do a math problem of subtracting out. This is what we have. This is what the cost of care is. This is what we could pay for ourselves without really a lot of danger. And this is, in fact, the amount of coverage we need to buy. We don't need to cover all of it. We just need the long-term care insurance to cover what we can't cover ourselves. And I read as I was preparing these questions about the elimination period. What is that? Great question, Cheryl. Thank you. Many policies have elimination periods or in other kinds of insurance, they're considered waiting periods. Many people believe that that is time that is meant to be paid out of pocket. But in fact, uh, I've been in the long-term care insurance industry so long that I remember when these policies were written. They were written with these waiting periods to allow Medicare to pay up front for the cost of care. So for instance, it's very common that there is a sudden health change. Someone goes to the hospital, they are in the hospital for a few days, and then they go to a skilled nursing home facility to recuperate. Uh, <clears throat> Medicare can pay, Part A can pay 20 days. It's a, it, in a skilled nursing facility or a rehab facility. And then if they have a Medicare supplement, then the Medicare supplement might pay, can pay up to an additional 80 days of skilled care in a rehab. Now, to be fair, Cheryl, most people don't get a full 100 days out of Medicare. Medicare usually uh, cuts them off before that. But these waiting periods can be used, uh, the, the care that they got paid for by Medicare can be used to satisfy the waiting period of the elimination period. That's really why they exist. Waiting periods were designed to let Medicare pay up front and do what it's supposed to do. And then long-term care insurance kicks in after that. Waiting periods traditionally can be zero days, 20 days, 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, 100 days, 365 days. The most common that we see are 90 or 100 days. And once again, those are designed to let Medicare pay up front. And at least 70% of the time, our company, Family Solutions for Care, is able to find days that can, in fact, be applied to a person's elimination period. The other part of that uh, is about a deductible. Do people who have this policy have to pay a deductible and for that waiting period? So the deductible and the waiting period are essentially the same thing. Okay. If they do not have Medicare paid care, then in fact, they could have some out-of-pocket expenses. But generally, we can look at a person's medical records uh, and find days that could be applied toward their deductible or their waiting period. But worst case scenario, scenario if someone moves into assisted living with no care paid for by Medicare, they could in fact have to pay out-of-pocket for that first 90 or 100 days on average. And is a long-term care insurance policy, is it, I guess expensive is a very subjective word, but I guess I'm, I'm trying to determine if somebody decides, oh, I'm going to do this, how much are they going to pay and what determines that rate? It all depends on their health. First of all, they have to have the, the healthier they are, the less expensive the premium is going to be. It also depends on what they get in a daily or monthly benefit. Uh, and it dep depends on the duration of the policy. But a 55-year-old, if you're getting $250,000 worth of coverage for five or $6,000 a month in benefit, they're probably going to pay $150 to $200 a month in premium. That's a good range. There's a lot of things that have happened in the long-term care insurance industry. Uh, I've been in the industry 24 years. 
when I started in the industry, there were 200 companies, probably more, but 200 companies that sold long-term care insurance. Today, there are four to five insurance companies that really are focused on long-term care insurance. So the industry really shrunk. And now the policies that are out there, I believe are better, are, are, they are we have more actuarial data. So the, the rates are better. I believe that going forward, we will see less of these huge rate increases that people have seen from their old long-term care policies. I think they the industry learned something after all of these years uh, of being in business, they finally have the right actuarial data to price the policies correctly. And so I guess what I'm hearing you say is, is that consumers should not be worried that their rates are going to increase over time, especially say if, as you are advising, that they start in the 40 and by the time they're 60, when they probably have a lower income, they're going to be paying higher rates. It is my belief that the industry has self-adjusted so that we don't have those huge rate increases. Again, as it, as in tax advice, I always tell people to talk to their financial planner, their, their accountant, but we, the, the industry definitely adjusted that when the industry first began, the actuaries believed that people would drop their policies. They actually figured that 5% of the people that bought long-term care policies would eventually drop their policies without having claim. Well, that's not happened. People actually hold on to these policies because they realize the value. The actuaries also predicted that people would not live as long. So we used to have an average of two and a half years of care. That was what most policies would pay out. We're now over 3.2 years on average. So it's crept up uh, and people are staying on claim longer. So that I think that these adjustments have been made. Obviously, the baby boomers kind of led the path of uh, helping with the actuarial data. But I believe the new policies, and again, there's not a lot of carriers to pick from, but I believe the new products are priced more efficiently for families so they don't have huge rate increases. We've also seen a change. There used to be a lot of independent freestanding policies now we are seeing more people are buying policies that are hybrid policies. Essentially, at claim time, they work the same, but a lot of these are either uh, their life insurance or so their whole life or universal life policies with long-term care riders or annuities with long-term care riders. So there's a few more choices now uh, that people are looking at as opposed to just an independent freestanding policy. Okay. Well, this is a good time to take a break because we're going to be learning much more about how you and your company, Family Solutions for Care, helps individuals who have long-term care policies. But we're going to take a short break here. In case you tuned in late, we're talking with Wendy Reinhardt, co-owner and co-founder of Family Solutions for Care. And you're listening to WERA Arlington 96.7 FM. We'll be right back. Welcome back. We're talking with Wendy Reinhardt, co-owner and co-founder of Family Solutions for Care. And we got quite an excellent tutorial about purchasing long-term care insurance, and we're going to learn more about paying claims. So, um, Wendy, before we get into what your company, Family Solutions for Care, does, you mentioned before the break about the number of companies now that are available to sell long-term care insurance policies. Help us understand a little bit more about how someone can choose the right company. And then given the fact that the number of companies has dwindled down, what happens if somebody still has a policy from a company that's gone out of business? Great question. And we get that all the time. 
So as I said, there used to be 200 companies. Uh, 2008, the stock market took a dip and the insurance carriers, many of them got out of the long-term care market. Uh, today, there are four or five that's, that really are focused on the long-term care insurance industry. And I would recommend a, a friend of mine runs a company called the AALTCI, uh, which is the American Association of Long-Term Care Insurance. So AALTCI.org is a great resource for families uh, that are looking at who's currently in the market, what's a great carrier to work with. Uh, AALTCI is extremely knowledgeable and well-known within our industry. Uh, We've known of uh, Jesse Sloan and his group uh, since we began working in the industry in the 1990s. So we get this question, though, a lot of, well, my insurance company is no longer selling long-term care insurance. And there are some huge insurance carriers that got out of the long-term care market. So I have a couple of answers to this. One is, if you bought a long-term care policy from an insurance company that no longer sells long-term care insurance, do not worry. Because every insurance company that sold long-term care insurance was required to set amount set aside X amount of money per sale to pay for future claims. So there are billions of dollars to pay future claims. And most of these insurance companies, even if they're still selling long-term care insurance, they don't handle the claims. So they have outsourced their claim processing to third-party administrators hired by the insurance industry to handle claims from the insurance company side of the table. So there are plenty of dollars and there are companies that the insurance company has hired to handle claims and they must. The second answer to that question of what happens if my insurance company gets out of the business, there are a few companies that have gone bankrupt because they had a lot more claims than they ever realized they would have. So something that the when insurance companies came out, there was something called the Guarantee Association established in every single state. So if the, on the rare occasion an insurance company actually runs out of money and they can prove it, then the Guarantee Association of each state held, holds billions of dollars to pay for claims for insurance companies that have become insolvent. So even if, and we have a couple of examples, I don't need to mention, but we do have a couple of examples of the carriers that have gone out of business uh, and gone bankrupt or into receivership, but there are still billions of dollars to pay for claims. So the Guarantee Association works as insurance behind the insurance product. So it's a common question that we get. If the insurance company goes out of business, what do I do? And my answer is, You contact us because we're going to help you get every single dollar that you are entitled to, and there's plenty of money to pay claims. Excellent segue into the next question, which is, let's talk about Family Solutions for Care, also known as FSC, I believe. That's what I saw on your website. So what is your mission? How did you get started? Tell us more. Thank you. Uh, We exist to fulfill the promise the industry made. We are advocates for the contract. I was in the business, Cheryl, as you and I have talked. I used to sell long-term care insurance and did so very effectively for many, many years for some great insurance companies. And because I was so passionate about making sure people had dignity and choice and weren't burdening their families, I sold, I have a lot of clients. But a few years after I'd been in the business, 10 or 15 years, I started experiencing the claims process with families. Some of my early ones were my clients. And I had a woman call me and I recognized her voice because I remembered every client I ever talked to. Uh, And she said her husband had developed Lewy body dementia. What I learned later is that he had developed it five years before she called me and I was not aware of it. I was the agent, but I wasn't aware of it. When she called the insurance company to get a claim going for her husband, they sent her a packet of information that was about half an inch thick. And that in itself overwhelmed her. And she 
had not taken care of details like this in their family life. Her husband had. Now that he was sick, he was not able to help her. So she herself took care of him and ended up having double shoulder replacement, double knee replacement. And because she was lifting her husband every day and doing everything she could. And it made me heart sick because her policy would have given her a very generous benefit for all those years. And she didn't have to have her final years with her husband being his primary caregiver. So once I got involved, once she called me, um, we got the claim approved within 30 days. Unfortunately, he passed within about 60 days. So that just made me aware that when families are going through a claim, their life is falling apart. Um, This became a more personal subject for me when I sold a policy to my brother. My brother was a little older than me and He bought a long-term care policy from me, and a year after he purchased it, he received a diagnosis of terminal cancer. When I called the insurance company to get the claim going, I just found out how arduous the process was. I was given misinformation, um, and I don't think it was on purpose, but I knew how the policy worked, and that person at the end of the phone representing the insurance company did not know how the policy worked. And they were just giving me standard uh, generic answers and they weren't giving me specific answers as to uh, how his particular policy would work to, to the best of his, uh, for, for my brother's best quality of life. So I got mad and sad at the same time. Fortunately, we had contacts within the insurance world. So we were able to call the president of the insurance company and get a claim going and get my brother's policy paying out. So he ended up being on claim somewhere on around a year, Uh, but it was so difficult and heartbreaking. And what I tell people is long-term care insurance works, but it's one kind of insurance that's counting on a primarily senior audience to navigate through a very complex process when the wheels are falling off the bus. So after my brother passed away, we start, my husband and I started interviewing people at assisted living facilities and just trying to understand people's experience with long-term care insurance. And we heard some good news and we heard some bad news. And then we heard some awful news. We'd heard some assisted living directors tell us we hate long-term care policies. They never pay. So we started just a little beta test based in Kansas City, and we said, if we offered a service that would help families get their benefits, would that be of value? And overwhelmingly, we heard yes. So we started offering uh, help families help getting their claims approved, really beta tested in 2011. We launched in 2012. We became a nationwide company within our first six weeks of business because of need. So families now are referred to us from all over the country. We receive several hundred referrals a month. Uh, And we help every single family for no charge. We help them understand what they have in a long-term care policy. We specifically look at their policy. We will call the insurance company with them if they don't have a copy of the policy, which is quite common. And we help them walk through every single step of what their policy may and won't pay for. So our goal is to help them understand key points of the policy, what the benefits look like, what the claim process looks like, and where the services could be received. There are many older policies that are unclear. And because there are 400,000 variations of these policies, there's no standard or uniform coding. So we can't tell someone how one policy works versus another policy unless we read their specific policy. So We do a full analysis for no charge just because we believe it's the right thing to do. Our goal is to get people to the starting line so they can make good, informed decisions about next stages for their loved one. 
we are usually talking with the adult children or nieces and nephews of the policyholder, because oftentimes the policyholder is affected and, and doesn't remember or, or can't participate in a call. So we help families understand and get to the starting line so that they don't move into an assisted living facility with an unrealistic expectation and then end up with a $100,000 bill that they can't pay because they moved in without really understanding the policy. And so let's take that to the next step. I mean, I'm sure listeners are saying, wow, this is an extraordinary organization. How do I get in touch? What do I need to have available? Sounds like obviously the the uh, their long-term care insurance policy. Is there somebody at the other end to answer the phone? What do our listeners need to know? We have a toll-free number. It's 844-858-4500. And I, if I can give any advice to a listener, if you think you're going to have a claim, if you are just kicking tires and you think about moving into assisted living, give us a call. Let us help you understand what you have in a policy. One thing I warn families is please do not call the insurance company and ask them questions uh, regarding a claim without having a copy of your long-term care policy in front of you. If you call the insurance company, they often will try to move you to the claim department and then the claim department will ask you questions that are designed to get you to not file a claim without, without being too um, disrespectful of the insurance carriers. So I always recommend make sure you have a copy of the policy before you talk to the claim department. Do not talk to the claim department until you have a copy of the policy. That policy is the rule book for future claims. And policies are not all the same. There are reimbursement policies. There are indemnity policies. There are cash policies. There are policies that will pay based on needing one activity of daily living. There are policies that will pay based on needing two activities of daily living. There are policies that will pay based on three activities of daily living. So they are all slightly different. And if you're going in or calling an insurance company Without that rule book in front of you, you could sabotage a claim, even though it may be a legitimate claim, just by innocently answering a question. So families are referred to us. And again, we help every single family understand what they are so they can get to the starting line uh, with a clear goal. Once we talk with them, if we feel that we would be a good resource for them, then they can actually hire our team to get their claim approved. And let me talk a little bit about the claim process and why that would be necessary. So in order to get a claim approved, there has to be medical records, care assessments, plans of care, daily care notes, itemized invoices, and timesheets that match the itemized invoices. And then all of that has to be collected and compared to the long-term care policy to make sure that it matches the language. And 83% of the time, the language in the care notes or the medical records does not match the policy language. And little thing we've learned, this must be repeated every single month. So getting a claim approved is just step one. Then you have to do step two, which is just month two, month three. So the entire duration of the claim, there are requirements of documentation to make sure the policyholder continues to be claim eligible. And we help families make sure that documentation is in place. And of course, we make sure that everything is legitimate. We make sure we tell the truth, but the truth has to be told in the language that the insurance company can accept so that they can approve a claim. So oftentimes it's simple things. So the medical records may say that Mr. Jones needs help with grooming. But if 
grooming is not one of his activities of daily living listed, then that would not get a claim approved. A more common answer would be Mr. Jones needs help with bathing and dressing. But then it even gets deeper, Cheryl. In the long-term care contracts, there are some policies that will pay for what's called standby assistance. There are some policies that will only pay once someone needs complete hands-on assistance. Those are huge differences. So we help make sure, our team does, we help make sure that all of the documentation is impeccable and it matches the language of the long-term care policy. And of course, we make sure it's the truth that everything in the records matches and we are presenting a legitimate picture to the insurance company. Um, so all of those records have to be collected, reviewed, and submitted to the insurance carrier on a monthly basis. And then the insurance companies, one of the challenges, I mentioned this earlier, but one of the challenges of a claim is because these carriers are not in the business anymore, they use third-party administrators to handle the claims. And oftentimes these third-party administrators are located offshore. So you get a real person, but again, they're not necessarily trained on the depth of how this policyholder specific policy works. You may have a 40 minute, 45 minute to an hour wait period just to talk to somebody. So you have, and you have to do that every single month. You have to talk to the insurance carrier every month. So oftentimes families will hire a contract with our team so that we can handle all the medical records, talk to all the providers, and then we can talk directly to the insurance company on behalf of the family. Because if they don't have someone like us, then it falls on a daughter, a son, a daughter-in-law, and it's a full-time job. And oftentimes the policyholder, again, is not the one we're talking with. We're talking to these adult children, but they have lives. They have their own families. They have their own careers. They are overwhelmed by the loss of their loved one or the loss of the health of their loved one. So oftentimes they're in the long-term care scramble and they don't know where the, they can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. So our team, this is one thing we can take away from them so they can get back to their life and spend quality time with their loved one without having to worry about the money coming in or whether or not the insurance company got every single document that they were requesting. And based on what you just said here, do you view uh, your company also view an advocate for the long-term care community or the you know, the facility that's actually going to be getting the insurance payment? Is Absolutely. that part of the process? And how do they, what role do they play? How does that work? We work, we partner with assisted living facilities across the country and placement people and home health care people, hospital discharge people. So we have national relationships with all of these facilities. Um, and anybody that works in the senior living market. We also work with estate planning attorneys, elder law attorneys. Um, We help the assisted living facilities because at corporately, assisted living facilities are told by their corporate ownership to not give advice about long-term care policies because long-term care insurance is considered a financial product. And if an assisted living facility is giving advice about how or if a policy will work, that's essentially creating a, a legal um, risk for the, the assisted living facility. So corporately, they are telling their assisted living people that the employees do not give advice. That is a liability for us. So fam- they refer families to us. We review the whole policy. Then we help secure all the records that have to be submitted to the insurance company in order for that facility to get paid their benefits. Another huge problem in the assisted living world, and this is really in the healthcare world, is uh, assisted living turnover is somewhere around 70% of employees. So even if there's one person at an assisted living facility that really knows and has worked with uh, long-term care policies, chances are they're not there. When our team is involved, we often have three or four different people within a three-month 
period at an assisted living facility. So we're making sure for the family that the, the money gets in and every eligible dollar is uh, sent in. On average, we get, we get more money for families than they even knew they could get. Part of that is because we know how to find elimination days. Those are those waiting days. And we know about ancillary benefits. And we know exactly what the insurance carrier is requiring so that we can make sure that family is paid in a timely manner every single month. Our website is www.familysolutionsforcare.com or 844-858-4500. We'll get you a real live person. And to that point, Wendy, I was just wondering, so your company, as I said, is acquiring the maximum amount of benefits based on their policy and all of the research that you do. So if their benefits exceed the cost of the care, does the policy holder then get paid the difference or is just the amount of money that's owed, is it just left at that? Is, is there any differentiation? There are reimbursement policies that will only pay whatever, whatever the policyholder paid for care. But there are indemnity policies, and there are a fairly high number of indemnity policies that will pay the full benefit, even if the cost of care was not that high. So that's another reason to talk to our company, because we help families understand whether they have a cash policy, an indemnity policy, or a reimbursement policy. And let me clarify, on a cash policy, they're usually... On a standard long-term care policy, there usually is not a cash value to the policy, but the benefits can be paid out on a cash basis without receipts for care. So just find differences in how you interpret the language. And then might there also be situations where the policyholder is disqualified, that you, again, your team is looking at the policy and looking at what's been rendered in, in, the, in the way of services, and might you have to give the person a bad news? Absolutely. As I said earlier, we are really advocates for the contract. So we help a lot of families. This, this is one of the reasons the insurance carriers love working with us, because they know that when we talk to a family, we're not going to steer them wrong. If someone just wants to move to assisted living facility because they're, they're lonely, they want socialization, that may be fine for them. But if they're not claim eligible, they're not going to get the policy to pay. So we absolutely delivered the truth. And sometimes people don't like to hear that, but we will tell the truth. So, again, the family can make a good decision because we, uh, especially in our early years, we got so many phone calls from families that, Uh, Their loved one had moved into assisted living, claim was denied, and now they have a $100,000 bill that they don't want to (laughs) pay, but they realize they have to pay. So we deliver the truth so that families can make the right choices for their loved one. I just wanted to also understand that in terms of long-term care insurance uh, and the available benefits, it would be more likely for the person to be in some kind of a long-term care facility where they're getting that kind of care as opposed to receiving care in a hospital. Is, is that true? Long-term care policies will pay for care in assisted living facilities, nursing homes, and a lot of people have home care. So a lot of people choose to age in place in their home. So a lot of the policies, especially today, uh, cover home care. So, but it's not usually going to cover hospitalization. There are policies that will allow hospitalization days to be counted towards their waiting period, but usually that's not a reimbursable day. And also, I understand that now because hospitals are eager to get their patients out of the hospital and into, say, rehab, that seems to be a new area. We're working with hospital discharge planners uh, across the country. That's kind of a new market for us as well. And it's because there is such a push to get people out of the hospital and into rehab. So we're getting more referrals from hospitals now, as opposed to we used to get the referrals from the uh, rehabs or the assisted living facilities. So, yeah, there's definitely a push to move people and not let them last stay in the hospital 
longer than three or four days. And so would it be possible then if a person did get rehab services that that could be covered under long-term care? Just curious. Again, there's 400,000 variations of these policies. Some of them, the answer would be yes, Cheryl. Some of them that those days would only count towards their elimination period and some of them won't count them at all. So because there's no uniform coding or in long-term care insurance, people really need to read these contracts with a fine, fine eye. Just look at every single detail. And that's what our team excels at. We have an entire team. Um, and when people work with us, they actually get one person to work with. Uh, if they co- hire our team to do the claim, they get one person to work with the duration of the claim. So they're not having to get a hold of someone offshore that's not available and can't really answer their questions. Our team collects everything that is needed to get that claim approved and keep it approved every single month. Okay. And that's kind of the segue to the final question because we're just about out of time. So give us again the, the website, the telephone number, anything else you'd like to have our listeners know? Our phone number is 844-858-4500. Our website, and I really hope people will look at our website. We're, we're very proud of our team and the service that we provide. Our website is www.familysolutionsforcare.com. And please reach out to us. We exist to fulfill the promise the long-term care insurance industry made. We are honored to serve every single family that we talk to. Wonderful way to close. And I really want to thank you, Wendy Reinhardt, co-owner and co-founder of Family Solutions for Care, for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you so much for the invitation, Cheryl. Well, if you want to learn more about Aging Matters, of course, you can visit our website, which is agingmattersonline.com. And there, of course, you can access all of our Aging Matters radio programs and our TV show episodes. And, of course, this program, like every other radio show, will be posted on Apple and Spotify podcasts. So be sure and check the website at the bottom of the page where the icon is. And Aging Matters is also produced in association with Ink Mouth Media. And you can learn more about that company at inkmouthmedia.com. So thank you for listening to Aging Matters again today. And remember, age is just a number, not a label. I'll be back again with you next week. 